0: when hinges creak in doorless chambers.
1: Safety director to all drivers, before starting, make sure your seatbelt is fastened.
2: This, as you may recognize, is a maintenance service elevator, still in operation, waiting
3: for you. We invite you, if you Dare to step aboard because in tonight's episode, you are the star, and this elevator travels directly to
0: WDW w- Radio, Radio, your
1: information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host Lou Mangiello, and this is show number three hundred fifty-six for the week of March thirtieth, two thousand fourteen. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, trivia books, audio tours, and more. You can find it all over at wdwradio.com. I want to give a big thanks to everybody who has been kind enough to go and review my new book, 102 Ways to Save Money, for and at Walt Disney World over on Amazon.com, including Sarah Johnson, who said, not only is it a beautifully designed book, it's filled with wonderful tips and tricks to save you money. Miss Ho said, it's a must-have and must-read book if you're planning a Walt Disney World trip. Jeffrey also gave it a five-star review and said, having been to Disney World several times, I thought I knew how to save money with my family, but 102 gave me new ideas to save more without sacrificing a fun and enjoyable vacation. There are so many more great reviews, and I've read and appreciate them all. I'll try and mention you guys all on future episodes. If you've purchased the book, I'd appreciate it if you'd head on over to Amazon.com and post a review there. If you want to learn more and get a direct link, you can visit Disney102.com. The book is available as a PDF download on Kindle, Nook, and in print from Amazon.com. Again, that website is Disney102.com. So, everything we experience in Walt Disney World is rooted in story, whether it be an attraction, shop, restaurant, or resort. And for most guests, the story may not always be readily apparent, but when the dots are connected and the story is revealed, it enhances our appreciation, understanding, and enjoyment. So this week, we're going to look at our top 10 backstories in Walt Disney World, and then I'm going to ask you to share your favorite with me. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then be sure and stay tuned to the end of the show for more updates and announcements, including information about our next Walt Disney World Meet of the Month and more of your voicemails. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show.
2: Folks, please
3: keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times.
2: Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses because this here's a wildest
1: ride in the
2: wilderness.
1: When it comes to Disney, whether it's an attraction, a restaurant, a resort, or obviously a movie, it's all so deeply rooted in a single element, and that's story. Stories is what forms the basis of everything that we see, hear, yes, and in the Disney parks even smell and taste. Nothing is by accident. Everything has a reason and a meaning. And some stories are so much more elaborate than what we think we may understand and interpret. And some of these stories are so good that I even have a few of my favorites. Dare I say maybe even a top ten list of them. And when you hear top ten, I don't know about you... Well, I don't normally think of Tim Foster, but for tonight's purposes, I think of Tim Foster from Celebrations Magazine and GuideToTheMagic.com. Because, like me, 10 normally doesn't mean 10, but a long list of some of our favorite things in and around Walt Disney World. So, Tim, welcome back.
3: I was kind of hurt by that. Why is that? You don't think of me unless we're top 10. (laughs) I think of you all the time. That's creeping me out just a little when bit. When I'm in line for
1: but, food, when I'm getting wet. <laughs> Wait, what? Huh? <laughs> oh, my God, we're off the rails already. But you know who I often am starting to think <laughs> about when I think of top 10? It's Daniel Roberts. And you say, why Lou Mangello? And I'll tell you why. It's because in the past, we've done a number of charity fundraising auctions and raffles to raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation through our Dream Team project. And one of the ones that normally has gotten a, a lot of attention and a lot of bids, and you guys are always so generous with, with your with your donations, uh, has been, you know, co-host a top 10 with Lou and Tim. And I think for the past, like, three of them, Daniel Roberts has been our three. winner. And <laughs> Is it three? <laughs> Daniel Roberts is back again. And I want to say, you know, dare I say you're transcending a special guest on a top 10 to almost a regular at this point.
2: I, you know, I'm. I consider myself. Uh, no offense to Tim, but I'm your Ed McMahon.
1: Oh, that's no offense whatsoever. I don't even think about Tim as a, t- and a an Ed McMahon. You're much closer <laughs> to Ed than Tim. Not that I'm, Tim I'm, knows. Tim I'm really.
3: Even, I'm really me? feeling unloved now. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get to guest guest host this <laughs> top ten show.
1: <laughs> Listen, you, your name is synonymous with with, with top tens. <laughs> and at least for the immediate future, I have no plans of doing top tens with almost anybody else other than you and a few other select people. It's on like long Leno list. Letterman all <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. If Samantha Brown comes a call and you're out. Just well, so you know. Well, yes. Well, pfft, clearly, sure. <laughs> obviously, Stacy Oswald hit me up. Anyway. That was under,
3: That was understood from the get go.
1: All right. So listen, uh, Daniel. Uh, again, thank you so much for being so generous and, and wanting to be a part of the fun and festivities. Uh, I was happy that you won because you 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 knocked it out of the park the last couple of times, and I have a feeling you're going to do so again. And obviously, we're talking about our favorite backstories, or our favorite stories in Walt Disney World. And again, we haven't discussed this ahead of time. We haven't sort of outlined the rules. But I think, uh, on a general sense, why I like this idea is because as, you know, over the years, as I've talked about some of the stories on the show or in the audio tours or trivia books, what we realize is that so many guests, I mean, dare I say, in the 90 percentile, so many guests are unaware of the stories that surround these attractions, you know? And there is no great big, big book of Imagineering stories Yet, um, you know, people like Jim Corcus, when he comes on the show, is a great storyteller. He helps help bring those stories to life. But so many times when you go through the parks, these stories are not spelled out. There is no plaque. there is no somebody out front sort of recanting the story, retelling the story. You really need to sort of look very carefully and piece together the clues, right? Because all these clues are sort of part of an individual puzzle for, dare I say, an attraction which is often part of a bigger puzzle, right? Like a story of one attraction or restaurant may be very integral to the rest of a land and Frontierland and Liberty Square, I think, are are great examples of that. And forgive the shameless plug, I talk about that in great detail in the audio tours, which you can find at www.radio.com. But I think the the purpose and why I love this is because we really are actors, right? We are actors in this three-dimensional stage that Walt Disney and the Imaginators have put out for us. They want us to be immersed in this story. That's why Walt created Disneyland. He was frustrated by the limits of the 2D environment. He wasn't satisfied with this passive experience. He wanted us to live with the characters in their stories, in their environments. And what the Disney parks do so, so well is they surround us with all five senses in 360 degrees in those stories that, again, guys... Are not ones that are laid out in a map or a guidebook or even in the attractions themselves.
2: That's right, well. Lou. Well. <laughs> Ditto.
1: Wow, you, I'm so happy you guys are here. You're really bringing so much value to the
3: conversation. We bring the enthusiasm, like it's no one's business.
1: Enthusiasm, enthusiasm. So yeah. All right. Well, so since you have really nothing to add to that, other than a, a half-hearted agreement or, <laughs> or or couch disagreement, uh, I want to start. Well, I think
3: I just think you're totally wrong, but I'm going to go with this anyway. So.
1: That's fine. I'm so happy you're here. Um, yeah. <laughs> waiter, another cocktail for Mr. Foster. Um, Please. Daniel, Daniel. Since you not only are my somewhat kind of special guest, you've earned—dare I say—bought the right <laughs> to go first.
3: Now wait, oh, now, thank wait,
1: you. Wor- oh wait a second, oh, wait, Tim. Hold on, have- i everyone Why?
3: before this. Hold
1: on, oh God, Tim's got. Yeah. I have no. a feeling there's either a go with me or a no, no, rule no, 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 clarification. No, no,
3: no. no, there's a i i Daniel, you're going first. There's no mistake in that. But in the in the. Um, and in, in my Lou, you inspire me because you always make up rules <laughs> after we start these things that I was never privy to, which always knock out half of my list. So, in the interest of doing that, I've got a rule. This is more an idea, oh, yeah. and it's kind of more an idea because I don't have that many to do, and I'm hoping you don't <laughs> steal them. But <laughs> here's my thought: See, there, there, there's a we talked about uh, myths of Walt Disney World not too long ago. Mm-hmm. As you may remember. Yes. And there's, there's a myth of WWWDW Radio. I got that right. Myth. There's a myth, myth of WWW Radio. Yes. That top 10 with Tim means we're going to talk about 10 things. Mm-hmm. Not true. It's never been true. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> but, but I'm proposing today, let's make it true. Now, there's a problem because there's three of us. Daniel, the last Tim, time doesn't have checked, enough,
1: Tim doesn't have <laughs> <laughs> enough to get to 10 is what he's saying.
3: So I, well, here's the other thing. Now, put this one. The, the, the Phoenicians taught me my alphabet, okay? No, they but didn't, but anyway. I got the numbers from school, so I, I know that 10 divided by 3 doesn't come out evenly. All right, but that's okay because I have an idea here. Now, what I'm thinking is that when we were all preparing our lists extensively and doing our 10 days of homework, which I know we all did, except for this guy, that we all might have been thinking about this spooky corner in the, in the uh, far reaches of Liberty Square by chance. I won't name it by names.
1: No.
3: What I'm pre- – <laughs> you have to be. I wasn't. All right, well, here's what. <laughs> Assuming you were and now you kind of had to be. I was thinking then. We have, each have three. And then for that last one, since I assumed it was at the top of all of our lists, we could have sort of a roundtable discussion and make that our number one. If you wink, wink, know what I'm
1: talking about. So I, I assume Lou, you're talking Lou about— Lou
3: has no idea what talking I'm about talking about.
1: You're talking about the, the Heritage, Heritage House, right? Yes. Sleepy Hollow course. refreshments? Of course. It's, those Nutella waffles are spooky. They're so good, they're spooky. No. You're not Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. I yeah. I will tell you, Tim and, and Daniel, I did that not have, on... I did not have the haunted mansion on my list.
3: All right, well oh, Well guess what? You're gonna talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know Daniel was not on, on your list, Daniel.
1: All right. Well, that, listen, I'm fine with that because we can talk about the Haunted Mansion all week. So.
3: Good. Well, that's good. And, you know, like I said, I only had three anyway. So.
1: Uh, yeah, I figured you did. All Until right. you
3: steal one of mine okay. and then I'm down to and,
1: and Daniel three. only had one and it was the Haunted Mansion. So now you're going to have to improvise and talk oh,
2: about Oh, see? I, I will. That's what Luke does. That's what he does. I learn from the best. So. I just want to. I want to first of all say how honored I am to be on the show for the third time. And it makes me, not the Ed McMahon, but perhaps the Joan Rivers, to lose uh, Carson. And uh, I love what he does. I love uh, the dream team. It, gives, uh, it supports a remarkable cause where kids get to um, live out some dreams while they're uh, being challenged by some illnesses and stuff. And uh, I love the show. I love Disney World. Um, my daughter Miranda is going to be two in February, and we are taking her to Disney World. Myself, my wife, and our friend uh, nay Carly are going to all go. And uh, she'll cry in my first number one pick of the best backstories of Disney World. The Haunted Mansion. <laughs>
3: when, no, you can't do that.
2: I told you. Listen to the rules. I only listen... I listen to my boss. And that my boss is Lou Manjo. All
1: right, so we have to save the Haunted Mansion for last, then. So we'll have to have our, our roundtable discussion at the end. Okay. <laughs> but I was wondering... I was like, wow, oh. what attraction is he so excited to make his daughter cry in? Is it going to be Small World? <laughs> is it going to be Carousel of Progress? Like, which one is she really going to break down and hysterically in tears in?
2: Um, should I choose... Should I? Tell you my impression of the Haunted Mansion and its backstory, or should I choose something else?
1: Choose something else, and we'll, see so the ma- we'll wrap up we'll with the mansion. We'll talk about the Haunted Mansion, because okay. we can
3: all talk about that all night long. All
2: right. Then that I'm going to go to hotels, and I'm going to go to something that you guys have covered really, really uh, wonderfully, which is um, the Wilderness Lodge. Mm.
1: I was it so is close
3: to having that on my list. I yeah.
1: love the fact that right out of the box, we went out of the box and went out of the. Because yeah, I figured you guys are only going to talk about attractions, so I dig that you're talking about the resort.
2: Um, I googled and googled and googled. I the the place we stayed was the Wilderness Lodge. Uh, we were lucky enough to stay at Wilderness Lodge Villas. Uh, which is great, and the the story behind it is extraordinary. The fact that there's quotes, the fact that um, there are uh, – the I mean, above and beyond the fact that it captures the spirit of the national park system after the Great Depression and that it looks like you're in a different place, you're in the Pacific Northwest – that there is a really wonderful story, that there are quotes and stuff. There's poetry um, that's associated with this place. And there's an incredible backstory. There's this guy named Moreland who was a veteran of the War of 1812, recently widowed and inspired by the accounts of Lewis and Clark. The retired colonel mounted a westbound expedition in 1823, starting from the Missouri River. And here's his quote. I well, this is a bad oh, an accent. I take to the wilderness alone. The good earth will provide me with everything I need to survive. I have my gun. I have my courage and I have my determination. What need I of anything else? Especially of cowardly scoundrels who turn ashen in the face of the smallest adversity.
1: Can I that's can I it. ask you something? Was was B. Arthur the guy who founded <laughs> Wilderness Large? Because
2: it was no,
3: it I was, feel like I'm in the Hall of Presidents right now.
2: <laughs> it was actually another character from The Golden Girls, but I can't really reveal. It's <laughs> a contractual thing, but I love staying at the hotel. The fact that the um, that the the river itself ends up in the hotel. The fact that there is uh, the pool itself is alive with water, the fact that everything about the hotel has a backstory and is amazing. So when you go to sleep at night, you're like, wow, you know, I'm part of this story. I'm part of this period in time. I love it. But the interesting thing is that I'm surprised that the other uh, deluxe resorts or luxury resorts don't have backstories, like
1: or do they?
2: Or do, or do they? I don't know. Ah, uh-huh. see. But Polynesian, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't have a backstory. Um, the Grand Floridian doesn't have a backstory, uh, and the contemporary doesn't really have a backstory. And I wish that they. I wish they did. But I love the I love the fact that Wilderness Lodge has this glorious backstory, and uh, it's based upon water and um, pioneer American pioneers heading out west. Um, but it, then again, I'm like, why can't the other hotels have a backstory? So I will leave it at that.
1: So I'm with you totally on um, Wilderness Lodge. In fact, we actually did a full show where we went in very, very great detail about uh, the story of Wilderness Lodge. That was back on show number 208. Jim Corkus and I spent an hour or six at the lodge, literally and figuratively, talking about the details inside the lobby, throughout the resort, and the entire story, and how it really carries through Not just, you know, what you you see as you uh, approach the resort from the outside and the lobby inside and the river, but the characters and the name of restaurants and the name of some of the things. It really does sort of of bleed through all the elements of the resort. Like, I think a lot of these stories we talk about in the attractions and stuff as well. Again, that's back on show number 208 from February 2011. I will try my best to remember to link it up in the show notes. But uh, Tim Foster... Um, And we'll Mm. come back to resorts, by the way, Daniel Roberts. Tim Foster. Uh, Oh. uh Uh-huh. See? I I literally, I promise to hopefully attempt to knock your proverbial socks off with one of my top 76. But but Tim Foster, you need to wow us.
3: Well, hold on. I got to put socks on first. (laughs) I'm ready for you. At the Wilderness Lodge... Marshall Zeke made my daughter throw up on chocolate milk. That's my part of the backstory of Wilderness Lodge.
1: Why did you start breaking into some sort of a southern drawl too? What are you people doing with the accents? That this wasn't is, this is the not the That's just This is not Masterpiece Theater.
3: Let's No, you know what it is. You know what it is? It's when you go to the Whispering <laughs> Canyon, you get something happens when you walk in, cause they talk to you like that, so I guess I feel I probably inadvertently do the same thing, like a large I stay oh. please. And I, I probably don't know I'm doing it, and I say things like, you know, "Guy, hey, could you tell which way you did the Universal?" And they lose their minds, which is fantastic. Good thing to try for you kids, by the way. Tim, I didn't know that
2: you were Welsh.
3: <laughs> I uh. I'm. Uh, no, I'm okay. <laughs> note to self: put apology
1: in show notes as well.
3: Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, note to self: get this all out before we start talking. Which we tried. All right, my first one, I'm going out on the top ten with Tim Lim and putting it flat out there. I'm cheating. Oy. I'm cheating with my first one. And I'm cheating because this doesn't exist anymore. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> but, but, but it's know. one of my favorite backstories of all time. And it's in the Magic Kingdom, and it's in Tomorrowland. And specifically, it's the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. But on a bigger level, it's the backstory of Tomorrowland itself. And I'm talking the uh, Tomorrowland Transit Authority Authority circa mid-90s to the late 2000s.
1: Right, because the Tomorrowland story has changed somewhat dramatically over the years.
3: I understand. I like the version I like. So we're. (laughs) This is the version I was raised on. This was the version, the version I would. The I'm going to stop talking now. (laughs) All right. So anyway, so, (laughs) (laughs) so anyway, this story that that that, uh, the TTA version that I like was the fictional backstory that had you actually in a galactic uh, center slash city of the future, and the uh, TTA was actually. Just one of the many transportation systems that was included in uh, the Tomorrowland Galactic Port area. You had the TTA itself being the blue line, uh, but there was other parts of the story. There was also there was a red line, there was a green line, and even today you can still see a diorama of uh, the hub where you would switch lines to get on the different uh, green and red trains or whatever you would call them. Uh, the green line, of course, would take you to the Tomorrowland's hover burbs, which I always like to think where the, uh, the the outer buildings were in the Epcot model that you see um, in, in the diorama as you travel through Tomorrowland, That that's where you'd actually be going out to if you got on the green lines. Well, the red line out into space and Buzz Lightyear and Darth Vader and all those angry people out there. But the uh the thing with the TTA was the narration and I, I t- to me the narration was a lot of the reason I loved going on that attraction cuz it it really puts you in the heart of the story and uh took you on a tour of this virtual uh representation of the future where you would visit uh or, or you would pass the Metro Retro Historical Society um the Perfect Park Acres, the Interstellar Hair Salon, which is where many people saw their first hidden Mickey. It's on her belt buckle. In case you're not paying attention, um, you'd see the Tomorrowland Interplanetary Convention Center, uh, Star Command Headquarters, Metropolis Sci- Metropolis Metropolis Science Center. Got that out. Um, and like I said, it wasn't just the backstory for the TTA. It was the backstory for Tomorrowland. That it was a community in its own. And since they've changed the narration on the uh, TTA to be more or less a tour of Tomorrowland as it exists in the Magic Kingdom, here are all the rides. Um, unfortunately, I think you miss a little bit of that sense of being in another place in another time when you're touring the TTA and walking through Tomorrowland. But I still love the TTA and will ride it three times in a row if they let me. But uh, truly love the backstory from back in the day. And before you yell at me, Lou, I do know that that wasn't the original backstory, and I'm 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 stuck in the '90s and I can't get out of it. But um, I said that was my first experience on it, and that's the one I love and the one I miss.
1: Well, listen, I I know you well for a number of years, and judging by the fact that you still dress like Screech from Saved by the Bell, I know that you are stuck in the '90s. Um, I too love that backstory, not just of the TTA slash People Mover. But what Tomorrowland was at that time, you know, that that avenue of the planets and the Interplanetary Convention Center and and sort of how they weaved, you know, characters and stories as to what that place was supposed to be. Interestingly enough, Tim Foster and Daniel Roberts, the next audio guide to Walt Disney World is actually actually going to complete the Magic Kingdom circuit and will be Tomorrowland and should be out relatively, hopefully, at some point soon. Please don't applaud nor ask for a release date because I just don't know. But uh, I will tell you that my first one on my list was not going to be the first. I'm choosing it actually out of fear, out of a terrified, petrified fear that if either of the two of you tried to cover this, (laughs) you would break out into the worst possible accent imaginable. Uh-oh. Therefore, ergo et I so, do it anyway now. I am going to bring you across the uh, the ever expanding hub with me into Frontierland, to what as we all affectionately know as the wildest ride in the wilderness. Don't no quotes, please. And like Tomorrowland and many other uh, attractions and areas. This story, too, has changed. This, the, the original story of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which was nearly impossible to put together unless you sort of wrote it, not sort of enjoying the attraction, but, but again, putting those pieces together, connecting those dots, as it were, as you walked up to the attraction, figuring out where you were, looking at different elements along the way, because originally, and unlike Disneyland, which is sort of in this town of Rainbow Ridge, the... Florida version of Big Thunder Mountain took place in a town called Tumbleweed that suffered a major disaster. California had an earthquake, Tumbleweed had a massive flood, and both of those disasters, according to story, were the result of spirits of what Native Americans called Big Thunder Mountain looking to stop the miners from taking the gold from what they considered to be a sacred location. The mountain would thunder in anger, hence its name, whenever gold was removed, and that didn't stop the mining, and obviously the the whole storyline was really sort of based on real superstitions of an actual mountain in Wyoming, and again, rather than sort of going into this in in great detail, I'm going to refer you over to my Frontierland audio tour, which really sort of takes you through uh, a little bit deeper, and at one point... Before there were additions and some changes made to Frontierland, when the old McDonald's fry cart used to be there, El- other elements in Frontierland actually connected all the way out to Big Thunder Mountain. That that cart that crashed there actually came down from the top of the mountain over at Big Thunder. Recently, though, within the past year, probably when you're hearing this, there is a, a n- completely new backstory. That was created, and it sort of was leaked out slowly, even before the attraction came out of a refurbishment, through the Disney Parks blog. When they relate, when they released uh, a portrait, uh, they released a, of a portrait of somebody who was going to play an integral role. And oddly enough, that portrait looked very, very much, oddly enough, like now former Disney Imagineer Tony Baxter. And they created a new backstory around this person, who was the founder and president of the Big Thunder Mining Company, and his name is Barnabas T. Bullion. He's a gold magnet. He rules the Big Thunder Mining Company with an iron-slash-golden fist, and he sort of, he formed, he comes from this this family in the East Coast, and he considers sort of gold almost to be his birthright due to his name, and he thinks that the ultimate gold strike is part of his destiny, and that's why he's having a problem with this mountain because, again, it goes back to this idea of superstitions and what the locals are telling him and how the mountain is protective of the gold, and again, that this story continues to go on and, and elaborate. And I want you to sort of seek it out, you the listeners, to go because now, as you go through this interactive queue, you will discover how you know Bullion is discovering all these different new veins of gold, how he's digging new shafts, and how this this mining operation is changing and growing, and maybe suffering a little bit because of the spirits of the mountain. And again, these interactive elements really, I think, help to connect the dots. Even further, and I think it enhances the attraction much more so once you know it, making it even a more a wilder ride in the wilderness. Notice, by the way, no accents. I did not. Uh. I did not pretend to be Barnabas Bullion. I, I did not pretend to be Dallas McKinnon. Rest in peace. So. Let's move on, hopefully without the theatrical license. And I think why, well, gonna...
3: Tar tarnation, dude, wouldn't you do
1: such thing? Oh, Daniel, please, for the love of all uh, sacred, <laughs> save that us! That was me. I know, I, well, save I, us from any further tinsel. Oh, I'm
3: not giving I, the I gold back, a back by, by the way. Scottish but
1: the...
2: Please go um, some.
1: Please go someplace in the parks that does not require any sort of uh, acting.
2: I'm going to a place that requires uh, nothing but lightning. And I'm talking. I am talking about uh, the uh, Hollywood Tower Hotel. I'm talking about uh, the Twilight Zone. I'm talking about terror.
1: You know, of course. By the way, Tim Foster never been on it. He has. He I, knows not of what you speak. But
2: what,
3: I what, can't. Why, why are we talking about? Please move on. <laughs> please move
2: the on. The Tower of Terror is to me one of the best backstories ever because in addition to what you have to walk, you have to walk up to the hotel itself and the decrepitude and the, the way that the landscaping goes from lush, sort of beautiful Florida slash California uh, landscaping and, and flora to stuff that is looks that it's overripe and sour for some reason to the hotel, and then the lobby itself. Um, and Lewis pointed out on many shows for very good reason that you have to spend some time in this lobby because it's stuck in time and it's stuck on a date that's a bad date. I believe that it's October 31st, 1939, when the when the Foster hits the fan,
1: I, when you said bad date, I was like, his what? prom date was probably thinking about his junior prom with Tim Foster, but I,
2: <laughs> I. I was thinking um,
3: of Indiana Jones when you said bad dates. I don't know why, but
1: oh, not, look at Oh,
3: get it? that's a good. One. <laughs> All right,
2: got it. Uh, um, bad dates, <laughs> but I love the the backstory, which is told by the the. Rod Serling voice, um, that there yeah, were. an accent. You can do it. Go ahead. Well, it's more of an American accent. So that's I, okay. can't, I can't do it, Tim. Thank you.
1: Thank <laughs> but, you, Daniel. I'm
2: sorry. I didn't mean to.
1: Because I yeah. would guarantee you would never win another auction again. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's. Uh, really uh, thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the. Well, <sighs> that's it. And now I'm out. I'm out. Fantastic. Yeah, it was. Uh. But I love as a backstory that it's the walk, the the sort of the promenade up to the ride, and then the two um, antechambers were told narrative about what's going to, what has happened at this hotel are brilliant. They're, uh, the, I think it's the best I've ever seen in Disney it's the extent to which, like, the TV crackles into life and you're um, watching Rod Serling explain stuff to you that if it's your first time, you just don't know. You know that something weird is up because there's a game, I think it is, that that's in the lobby. There's tea sandwiches that have not been eaten. There's something really stale about the place but potentially beautiful, um, circa seventy years ago, and the the lead up to getting into the uh, the the back entrance to get into the elevators is to me one of the most remarkable backstories in Disney. Um, you know that, I mean, you know what's sort of going to happen to you—that you're going to plunge and. and there's going to be drops and stuff.
1: Whoa, whoa! But, spoiler alert. Slow down, there, chief.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, it's right. But the backstory is so good. I, you know, I, I almost wish that we could spend a little more time with the ghosts and with the, uh, with the lost souls of that night. Uh, it's eighty years ago or eighty s- five years ago. Um, It's also, by the way, the second instance in Disney of using Pepper's ghost.
1: Hello? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you had more.
2: No, I'm done. That's it.
1: So obviously I think we're all in agreement that that the backstory that they created and how they were also able to weave in not just new elements, but elements from the TV series, especially in terms of – the props and some of the names and, and some of the places that were referenced to in the queue. I think it is one of the most beautiful yet dark and eerie queues in all of Walter's world that helps us really set that stage for the story. And this is one that I think you're right, Daniel. It is sort of laid out for you, which is which is different than a lot of attractions where it does not necessarily explain what the story is. You have to sort of put it together yourself. So this does sort of set the stage for you, much like an episode of the Twilight Zone TV show. As Tim, I'll send you DVDs so you can actually catch up and play with the rest of us. But uh, I'm with you on Tower of Terror, and I I hesitantly, and I I make a little sign of the cross before I do so, hand it over to you, Tim, for the next on your oh-so-very-short list.
3: Well, I never heard of the one you just did, so... This doesn't count. Is this a building where people are screaming at the top of, for some reason? No, that's uh, that's St- Stitch's greatest. That's ask, that's uh, Small World. <laughs> let, uh, the email, let the email start it, wait, coming wait, in. Wait, here. wait, wait, wait. what did you say, Lou? It was <laughs> what? Just keep going. Come
1: on. No, no, no. What did you say? I was joking when I said Stitch's Great Escape. I understand. Well, that's it.
3: funny. That's funny you say that, Lou, because next on my list, not only am I cheating, I'm doing a. Two for one, and it's funny you mentioned Stitch's Great Escape because the first place I'm taking us to is the extraterrestrial alien encounter.
1: Do you go anywhere else other oh. than Tomorrowland? Do you base? Do you go anywhere else other than Tomorrowland at this point? That's all there is.
3: It, the, go ahead. What else? What else is there? The, the golf ball and the TTA. The
1: golf ball and right. The golf ball and the TTA. That's all it. of which exist in Tomorrowland. Go ahead. So the lay your two for and tomorrow. Stitch's Great Escape on me.
3: Okay, so anyway. Now, actually, uh, unlike, I think, a couple of things we talked about, this is a case where this backstory wasn't hidden from you, and it wasn't, uh, it, it, it wasn't a matter of picking up clues and trying to put these pieces together yourself. This was a, a very elaborate backstory that drove the whole experience of the attraction. And one of the things I always thought was really cool about the alien encounter... Was that the fact that it was basically how you count like three shows in one, depending on how you counted it? Just because of the way they had the crowd, and they continued to have the crowd flow through the attraction, Um, meaning that when you first go in, uh, you're you're far from the main theater yet, but you're already in the show. Um, And back in Alien Encounter days, this is when you first had your introduction to the alien corporation known as XS Tech, which I thought it was very funny. ha Uh but you got you got the they showed off what they do. This is what we're all about. We make a better galaxy for you and so forth. And um then you rush into the next stream where they're demonstrating the latest in teleportation technology. And you would meet up with at the time and even today still, I think one is the most impressive audio animatronics in Walt Disney World was known in Alien Counter as the XS Robot, Simulated Intelligence Robotics. Or everybody say it with me, please call me sir. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> and uh Again, yeah, a very impressive animatronic. Actually, I think impressive because I guess it's an animatronic that didn't have any skin on it, so you could actually see how everything worked underneath. But, um, of course, once you got into the theater itself, uh, no shortage of special effects, uh, sound effects, uh, of the fourth-dimensional effects that we've come to know in a lot of these 3D shows that we see from uh, puffs of air on the back of your neck and uh, liquid, uh, is that blood or is that oil dripping down on your head? And um, all the other things that made the experience of being in a theater totally immersive. And unfortunately for a lot of people, pretty darn scary, even though I thought it was pretty cool. Um, skipping ahead to today and Lou's favorite attraction of all time, Stitch's Great Escape. Uh, still the same thing. There's a backstory there. It's not hidden away, it's right out front, but it's very elaborate. And very detailed and takes you through all three areas of the attraction with some changes. Um, of course, the robot is no longer called Sir, but is called Sergeant C4703BK2704 90210, which is funny because I never saw that show. Right. And it's how long has that been off the air now? Or the original one? A long time. Yeah. Yeah. But every time I am in there and they, he gets to 90210, this chorus of giggles pops up. So I don't know why people find that so funny. But anyway, um, and again, you move into the attraction area itself. Uh, theater mechanics are pretty much the same, but the storyline's been modified to be a little more family-friendly with Stitch and, and the laser cannons going haywire and him spitting on you and smelling chili dogs and all that sort of thing before he makes his escape. And tries to sneak into Cinderella's castle, but uh, basically between the two attractions, um, I thought this was one case in Walt Disney World where the backstory of the attraction was very detailed, very laid out, and was played out right in front of you, and you really did get to immerse yourself in it. And it was a complete start to front experience from the queue all the way to the
1: exit. So, so I'm I agree with you. In terms of, and again, another attraction where the story is sort of set for you, right? You're sort of given Act 1 in the pre-show when it sort of sets the stage. And that's part of my problem with the attraction itself, right? I love the pre-show. I love how they set it up, both in Alien Encounter and Stitch's Great Escape. I think that the audio-animatronic Stitch, and more importantly, the audio-animatronic Arms, are some of the best, most fluid <clears throat> large-scale audio animatronics in all the Disney parks, but where the attraction itself falls short is in the storyline of the attraction. When you're sitting in your seat and you're, you've are you got the, the harness sort of clamped down on you, that's where it's a little bit weak for me. I understand maybe it is meant to be a little bit more kid-friendly. That's where they kind of lose, lose me. I don't think you need to do the burping chili dog thing in order to appeal to kids, but I digress. I, I do agree with you in terms of Digress and shoot me down in one shot. It's okay. Uh, yeah, it. pretty that's, much. That, that's, that's how good. I roll. That's how I okay. roll. Okay,
3: so I
2: understand.
1: I well, hold just, on now. I I'm sending. A, quick thank, a, a thank you, by the way. I. For not I doing loved. It. Don't do. Don't you dare do pleakley. I will cut you off like there Ain't nobody's business, <laughs> Daniel Roberts.
2: <laughs> I loved Ellie. Of ride. I thought it was a brilliant backstory. It was a really scary ride. I I felt. Okay. <laughs> it was a really scary attraction. I thought it was um, so well done. Uh, the first time I saw it, I I really felt firm. I excuse my naivete, but I, I forget the name of the little person who was being. Skippy. Skippy. Obviously. Skippy. I felt, you know, the... Uh, the effects from below and above of the spit of the alien and I thought it was a great ride. And I don't to this day I don't understand people who had problems with it. I have I loved ride. I anyway, it's my turn so I'm not gonna waste it on um, I just I loved it. So and, and, and let me just
1: let me just clarify one thing. Uh, Universal has rides while Disney World has attractions. Huge distinction. Thank you. Huge, Thank huge you. distinction. Thank
2: you. Thank been,
1: you. You've been warned. Yeah. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so, rather than have this be the most long the, the longest top 10 in WWE history, I will move relatively quickly through my next one because I believe it is my turn again, and I too am going, I going don't to know. Well, it doesn't matter. I too am going to I'm go blasting
3: whatever you're doing to so. a
1: to a resort and I will guarantee Mm. guarantee it is not a resort you're thinking of. You're going to say, oh, he's going to Port Orleans. He's going to Art of Animation. He may get a little obscure. You're going to
3: all-star movies, aren't you?
1: Wrong. Wrong, my brother. Yeah. I am going to the resort that I'm sure you think (laughs) has no backstory. This is the one that you're going to look at and say, of all the resorts on property – This is the, clearly there's no backstory here. It's just that big, huge, tallest resort in Walt Disney World. There's no backstory to the Walt Disney World Dolphin. Uh Uh-oh. And to that I say, with a smile, that there is. And I want to give credit where it's due to Jim Corcus because he, of course, as always, is the one who brings to light a story that I think a lot of us didn't know exists. And there is a story. There is a, you know, when Michael Graves designed this resort, he created sort of a story in the design itself, right? And the, the, the concept of the dolphin is that it was, it's sort of shaped like an island, right? This, this underwater volcano earthquake sort of brings this island up from under the sea and it lifts these dolphins up out of the water that are on the roof. And the, the leaves on the side of the building, those, those giant banana leaves, are tropical plants that grow on the island, right? And that black box, which I we've gone over, for the monorail station, right, is not for the monorail station. We have we ah. have debunked that myth very very recently. That's the heart. That's the heart of the island, which broke open because of this, this gigantic cataclysmic event, and so water goes spilling down the side of the buildings into the pool, splashes over into the Swan. And sort of that, that curving landscape and railing sort of, are sort of the waves that connects the swan and the dolphin, right? That's why you see waves on the side of the swan. And the swans on the, on the top of that resort are so entranced, to use Jim Corcus's word, by this phenomenon that they watch this phenomenon up close and turn to stone. So a little bit elaborate, somewhat obscure. Oh put together but it exists and that's the the point and i think this one is very much a test of that, is that stories to these things exist whether it's an attraction a restaurant a hotel whether you think they do or not good night everybody cool. i love it thank I you think it's
2: great uh but why would the dolphins be punished by paying attention
1: so, you're saying that spending all of eternity in the middle of Walt Disney World looking at Crescent Lake and Epcot fireworks is punishment? I need to talk to your parents. No. You're not
2: to- allowed to ever write <laughs> Stitch's Greatest I know, but <laughs> by the way, the alien encounter, there's. A-
1: anyway, anyway uh, move it. Daniel, this is your last one, man. So make it count and, and don't make do any funny accents.
2: Okay. No accents. Um, I'm going to uh, do a
1: twofer. Oh, I said we're trying to awesome. make th- We're trying. We're trying to <laughs> Tim, <laughs> make this, I, this, you this segment this shorter, beast. not longer. Yes. My twofer hey, is. Hey Tim, remember when uh, Daniel Roberts used to be on the show? <laughs>
2: <I> <laughs> have yeah. This guy. My <laughs> yeah. I twofer. I love you guys. I just. I. I. You look you know, like Joan I Rivers. Take, <laughs> I take. The, well, on a good day, yeah. do. Uh, my two for uh yak and yeti, and expedition Everest.
1: Oh, so oh, hey, Sorry. that was on my Sorry. list. those those <laughs> are fighting <laughs> words. Hear I this, know.
3: It's done, Lou. So <laughs> good
1: night.
2: I'll good look
1: Cl- turn off the lights when you guys are done. Oh no way! You have one more. <laughs> I have another one. That's okay.
2: Anyway, yak and yeti. It's an amazing restaurant, but there is a backstory to the restaurant. There is there was a family. Who came to uh there's a German Himalayan hiker, an everest guide who sort of started the place and put together all the stuff and in the distance you see uh Mount Everest where um there is a yeti and the all the pictures on the wall, if you can yeti for lunch or breakfast um and your next stop is the ride Expedition Everest, that you will get a great through line about this experience of being in a different part of the world, um, a very friendly part of the world where the food is exotic, Um, but there is a potentially dangerous, weird creature in disco mode who's uh, uh, on the top of this mountain. And I believe that the one-two of having lunch or dinner, I guess, or breakfast at Yak and Yeti, and then walking towards um, Expedition Everest is, uh, will clue you in on all the details of the story. Because on the queue for Expedition Everest, you see all these sort of little tributaries to this beast, to this monster. And you see, Sort of like an analog to the the Jungle Cruise, um, but without a sort of singular monster who's going to potentially mess you. But you see all these wonderful, extraordinary details about um, a place and a time. And it's sort of, you know, I guess it's Raiders of the Lost Ark or it's like uh, Between the Wars where you are warned about something that's on your way. And I find the backstory one, two, especially with a couple of beers in your gut as you head to the mountain to be um, probably the best uh, uh, in Disney, if not
1: ever. So again, in the interest of brevity, because obviously Expedition Everest is an attraction that needs to have a a full-blown DSI, Disney investigation done for it. I I absolutely uh, agree with you, uh, other than the the beer and your gut thing, but what I love about this attraction is this is one of those examples that I I was talking about before where the attraction story bleeds out very, very far from the confines of what I think is the most detailed and elaborate, maybe next to Cali River Rapids, of the queues, but in that queue there are hints to places like Cali River Rapids that reflect back on other places in Asia. But as you approach this this village of Sir Kazong, look at the bulletin boards over uh, on the left-hand side as you're walking sort of from um, the central hub towards there. You'll find, you know, a bulletin board for Shangri-La, little sort of uh, notes behind these cages, all these things that are hinting to... Not just Cali River Rapids, but Expedition Everest, but things that make you feel as though real hikers and local officials have been there, putting these notes there, creating a story that really sort of, like I said, bleeds far beyond just the attraction itself. And I think that's one of the things that I love about that land is how intertwined— all those pieces really are, and again, we'll touch more on this uh, on a on a DSI Dis- Disney Scene investigation of Expedition Everest. Again, in the interest of time, I will quickly move on to Mr. Foster.
3: I'm scared when it goes backwards. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this, this my, I will keep this one quick too. This one I'm citing as an example. This isn't just um, a case of creating a attraction and then formulating a backstory either simultaneously or after a fact to go along with it. This this is a – well, beyond an attraction, a little park more or less, that has such an imaginative backstory that went to it that I think it's one of the best examples of imagineering – imagination at work. And it's – Uh, A place I'm actually probably never going to visit again because of all of the weather we've had in the Northeast, and all of you who live up here know what I'm talking about. But it's Blizzard Beach Water Park, which I'm just done with snow, but I'll probably never go to again. But uh, again, it's not even just the backstory. It's just the whole concept of what this water park is going to be. Like, if you're going to make a water park in Florida, your reaction is to do you know Tropical Island... You know, palm trees, uh, rivers, waterfalls, uh, that that sort of thing. To come up with this idea of a freak snowstorm landed in Florida, and all of a sudden dumped enough snow that they make a ski resort out of it. I think it's just a great stretch of imagination. And then further, having the sun come back out again, melt all the snow now instead of ski jumps and ski runs you have water shoots and slides and everything um and you know you complete it with now you have the the ski jump still in place which there's no way i'm ever going down that thing but it's cool to see but again it's 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 the story itself is very cool uh it has a mascot the ice skater uh it, it has a so many details and elements to it, but, but that just the fact that it was the inspiration of the creation of the theme of the park itself that was out of the norm. I think it's just a great example of story and design and construction and conceptualization all wrapped up in one. And I think Blizzard Beach is a really, really great example of that thing that Disney does so well. And they do it everywhere, but I just thought they did it here spectacularly.
1: I dig the fact that you went out of the box and you went to— I went out of the box. Be, I think Typhoon Lagoon is also another great example. Of course. Because you're right. But the, I can only do one. You talk, keep the story. Going. Yeah, because you really follow my rules all the time. The story yep. drove that design. You know, Clearly, that is so much story-driven in terms of how things are laid out. And it is a little bit more— laid out for you right in in terms of but in terms of where you are and what the story is behind that and there's a lot of details to be found to sort of help connect those dots even further i really would love to have told you the story of splash mountain because i think it is one that is oh (sighs) man but i'm not i'm not I will direct you to my audio tour, and I will also direct you to the Frontierland train station to see if you can find where the story of Splash Mountain is actually laid out for you, word for word, written out. Can you find it, and can you piece it together, and then next time you ride Splash Mountain, see if the attraction makes sense, because clearly it is, not, uh, it is not directly pulled from the story of Song of the South, right? It is not about Uncle Remus, and it, but there is a story, And why the things are, the details that you see are there, is laid out for you somewhere in Frontierland by the train station. See if you can find it. Instead, I too am going to take some of my own advice and, interestingly, not talk about what is listed as an attraction per se. But I do believe that Main Street USA is an attraction. Um, I I believe it is something that is not just a thoroughfare to make that race for space or the dash for splash in the morning. I think it is meant to be a place to be explored and strolled and meandered and wandered and enjoyed uh, and, and immerse yourself in because I think it is one of the deepest areas of story in all of Walt Disney World, certainly in the Magic Kingdom. And from the time that you walk under that threshold and that scene changes and you are transported back in time to turn of the century Victorian era small town USA, that story begins for you right there. You see it, you hear it, you feel it, you can sense it in, in the characters that are walking on the street. But I think one of the places that it has done so well, and, and, I, and I love taking people there and, and walking them through this location, both on the inside and outside, is the Emporium. Because it is not just sort of the largest shopping area in the Magic Kingdom, but it is replete with history and story and really is a, is a landmark of Main Street USA, and if you look carefully, and, and so many people walk by it, and when I stop people and show them, it was hiding in plain sight, there's a sign at the entrance on the corner that shows that the store was founded in 1863, and that there's a whole backstory about a proprietor named Ash Popham, who you know is from, what, anyone, anyone, oh,
3: uh uh um- uh, Lilo and Stitch.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's from Lilo <laughs> and Stitch. Right, Mary Poppins. From, right, he was from the original version when they called it Summer Magic in 1963. So if you look, you can find his name in gold leaf at the bottom of the two windows. But this is where you need to sort of stop a- and look, and a- and again, uh, I'm not. I hate to sort of sound like I'm shamelessly plugging, but I don't want to sort of retell the story here because it does take time. But as you walk down Main Street USA towards the castle, this town is expanding and alongside that town expanding, the Emporium expands as well. And you can see in details from fixtures to the tile work, to the wallpaper, to the columns and even the merchandise that's being sold, how this town and how this shop grew over time and in back in 1999, when they closed what at the time was West Center Street, and it reopened in 2001 as a, shoe sh- a new shop for a new century, it wasn't just the new century of 2001, but according to story, the new century was 1899 to 1901, you really started to get a sense of how, as the town prospered, the business prospered, it grew, it got more elegant, the the ceilings were, were high-domed. There's ornate chandeliers and faux stained-glass skylights, beautiful glasswork, the mural on the back. Once you go through and you see it and it starts, to, like, it starts to click, all of a sudden it makes sense. And now all of a sudden you get the fact that there's a story being told. It's not just a merchandise shop. And everything is so very deliberate. And you're like, oh, what I see when I walked in in the town square side is so very different than what I see as I exit out on you know the 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 central part or almost down by Casey's Corner what the shop looks like there and it's because of that story that theme that, that literally carries along with you as you move through the town and move through time and I think it is one of the most brilliant yet unfortunately overlooked storylines in all of Walt Disney World and I and I applaud the Imagineers for Taking the time to do it right, not that anybody would notice if it wasn't, but once you do, you appreciate it so much more. And I think that's what these details, that's what these stories, that's what that little light bulb in the car barn represents, right? And I'll make you go back and figure out what I'm talking about. That little detail is what differentiates Walt Disney World from any other place on earth, and it's why we're still talking about it. Right. I don't mean just talking about it on this very long episode, but talking about it, you know, all the time. Why why podcasts and, and this passionate community exists. So I think that was nine or nineteen with all the honorable yeah. mentions. Wait a second, wait a second. Uh-oh. We had to
2: do you promised we would finish We're gonna finish do Haunted mansion. mansion. We're gonna Haunted
1: Mansion. Don't worry. Don't get your panties in a bunch. We're because <laughs> I but Too I late. am very, very curious. I am very curious to hear from both of you about the Haunted Mansion, quote-unquote, story, because...
3: See, I, I was going to go that, last and just pretend I had stuff to say in here. Well, now,
1: you. since this was your smart idea, we're going to make you go first, because I want to hear what story is the I one that you subscribe I, to. I
3: don't know nothing. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I think the Haunted Mansion is... I think one of the coolest things about the Haunted Mansion is... That the fact that there are so many stories, and we've talked about this before, so many stories that are true, so many stories that were made up over the years, some of the stories that evolved from cast member lore, some stories that made just guests made up on their own, some stories that weren't true, weren't ever true, some stories that weren't true but became so prevalent that they eventually were true. Um, one example of that, tiny little example of that is, um, and this isn't a backstory of what happened in the Haunted Mansion, but just a little detail like uh, the bride's ring that you used to be able to find at the exit, which everyone would look out and go, Look, there it is. She flung it out the window and she was sad, despondent, angry, whatever your version of the story was. Um, But as people would find out, that was nothing more than a post that was taken away. But even cast members would, you know, if you asked, they would, some would point it out to you and go along with the tale. And this is a case where the tale became so popular and so prevalent that even once that was removed and the Haunted Mansion was going through its renovations, that story element was taken in and uh, accepted as part of Haunted Mansion canon, if you will, and included in the new interactive queue which I still – every time I go through, I can't find it, but I have a picture of it, so I know it's there. You can't but, find um, the intera- –
1: you, wait, you can't find <laughs> the interactive queue. Huh? You can't find the interactive queue.
3: Oh, no, I've, I've, I have found because I have a picture of it, but when it's dark and I'm scared and I'm looking for it, I always mm-hmm. seem to walk by. I'm too busy trying to play the instruments on the you – Yeah, know, anyway, so. <laughs> um, but uh, – but I, I really wanted to hear what you guys had to say because – actually, well, the one thing I will add that I like too is the, the whole addition of the Constance Bride storyline to the Haunted Mansion when it we went through that renovation. Um, I think before then there were varying tales of who the bride was in the attic, what she was doing up there, uh, why she was there, um, what her relationship was to who lived or was living in the house and so forth. But now in the attic, now there, there is a story you can pick up on of her having five – gone through five husbands um, uh, with uh, shining her little axe as you go by her. And, uh, uh, and it's you know, filled with all the neat details that you, you can see in each picture. She collects a new necklace for each hud- husband that goes by. Um, but just the fact that there's now a whole storyline that goes with the bride. She has a name. There's a story behind it. Um, uh, is just where a, a great example of how the Haunted Mansion I think reigns supreme on all pretty much all the attractions, and that its story is not only extensive and very detailed, but it's continually evolving and changing, and new things are being added to it all the time. Um, and the cool thing I think is to see what comes next, like what other stories our guests slash cast guest members slash Imagineers going to think of, come up with, and incorporate into the actual storyline, and bring out when the next renovations come along. So.
1: Daniel, I, I'm curious on your take, uh, your, your quick take on the Haunted Mansion story. Because Tim the, we,
3: was totally wrong on everything. Well, Gosh, yeah, a Duh.
1: A
2: okay. I, I, I'll be quick. I, I would say it's my favorite ride. It's going to be the first ride I take my daughter Miranda on. That's um, the one
1: she's going to cry on.
2: Well, but I'll say it's it's a fun ride. It's a funny ride There's She's only, gonna all cry. The...
1: she's only going to cry because she's like, Daddy, it's not a ride. It's an attraction. let's
2: <laughs> oh, <that's>... see. <laughs> oh, by the way. Thank you, Lou. It's an attraction. I was going to say that one of the worst backstories is uh, the attraction called the monorail where a bilingual gentleman is worried about your safety. <laughs> I will continue now about the Honson Um Which is, that's, that's a legitimate attraction. Um, what I have heard I've Googled this for the last 10 years. Google is a
3: registered trademark of Google Incorporated.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Google on jello.com. What I have learned about the Haunted Mansion there's so many different stories. One's about a tailor. There's a jealous uh, bridegroom who finds a tailor messing with the wedding dress. The the bridegroom kills the tailor. Uh, He really he made a mistake, he kills himself, the bride is uh, distraught and hangs herself. The other one, which I find more plausible, um, deals with Lou's, one of Lou's favorite people, uh, Madame Leota. Sorry, Lou, to out you. From, well, oh, Little you're
1: Leota. Me. I you're I, I have an unhealthy crush on Madame Leota. I, I'm the first to admit.
3: <laughs> Actually, you, was- have a sh- you have a shrine in your basement, my friend. <laughs>
2: One of the weirdest things I've heard on, on just, like guess, podcasts in my life was Lou said that if he had to um, save one sort of uh, piece of memorabilia from Disney World, if the whole thing were in flames, that he would rush in and, and save little Leota. And I found that, I don't know, it, it brought me closer to Lou, but all at the same time, sort of, you feel weird. But anyway...
3: He'd he'd have to pry it from my cold, dead hands, I'll tell you that.
2: (laughs) The story I know is this, and this is what I believe, that um, Madame Leota, who is throughout the place, that she was in love with Master Gracie. And Master Gracie was about to marry Emily. And Madame Leota didn't like that, so she killed Emily put her body in the trunk in the attic of the mansion and Master Gracie was heartbroken so he hung himself and the great thing about the ride is that obviously two different Imagineers came up with the ride or created the ride one Imagineer wanted it to be more comical, and one wanted it to be more serious. And I love the fact that you you pick up the storyline as you go along, the serious storyline as you go along, but you lose it sometimes for some amazing goofy effects. The one thing I will ask to Lou's um, audience and to Lou himself is that if, if the story is about a wedding that never happened then why is the banquet scene a wedding scene?
3: Who says it's a wedding scene? That's a birthday cake down there.
1: Uh Oh, look at you, Timmy Foster.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whose birthday is it?
1: It's your birthday. (laughs) You're the guest of honor. It's an unbirthday party. So I I will... um, I will conclude by obviously not going into the details of the story because the Haunted Mansion, (laughs) like Everest, is certainly deserving. uh, It's long overdue for a a segment or two in and of itself. But I I find it appropriately ironic that however many years after the attraction first debuts um, in, in 1971 in Walt Disney World, we are still talking about the somewhat different interpretations and variations of a st- of the storyline because that's how the attraction got started, right? There were issues, there were conflicting interests and stories and directions of where they wanted this haunted house to go. Was it going to be funny? Was it going to be scary? Was it a, a museum of the weird? Was it a wax museum? Was it a sea captain? Was it Leota? Is Master Gracie meant to be a master of the house or is it master as in terms of, Master as in a, a small child. That's why the grave outside is so small. There are so many different derivations of the story. And again, like you said, Tim, things that have been created by guests and cast members have had turned into folklore or to real lore. And then when the Imagineers updated the attraction, they tried to help solidify that story, make reference to some of those old storylines like the sea captain in, in the queue, and some of those other elements that yeah. have been sort of discussed and debated over the years. And I think that's the beauty and the majesty, the majesty. And, and the enchantment and the, the what makes this attraction so special and classic is because it does have appropriately enough, that sense of mystery about what the story really is, right? What was it supposed to be? How much of what we as guests contributed to that storyline, which I think doesn't take place anywhere else inside Walt Disney World. All those things are what make this the quintessential Walt Disney World attraction. I think it's appropriate that we end on it this way and sort of agree to agree that it is probably one of the best storylines because maybe we don't know what the exact storyline is supposed to be. Are you getting pushed out the window? Are you falling out the window? Are you dying? How much of it is true, how much is not? The fact that we could wonder and question and look and try and piece the uh, the puzzle together on our own, you know, maybe some pieces fit, some pieces don't always fit. That is what I love about it. But as always, when we do a top 76, people mm. are sitting there on their treadmills, whatever those things are, in their cars, walking their dogs, in their cubicles, wherever they're listening, screaming, dare I say ranting, pounding their fists at their iPod or iDevice or or whatever they're listening on, saying, my God, Mangello, how could you people possibly leave out blank? And that's where you, the listener, comes in. I want to hear from you. I want you to tell me what you think the best attraction or resort or restaurant storyline because all they all look they all have it right pecos bills has it boat has it they all have great storylines what is the best attraction restaurant resort backstory in all of walt disney world and there's lots of ways you could tell me one go to wdwradio.com, click on this week's podcast in the under the podcast tab leave a comment there in the show notes We'll keep the conversation going there. Go to Facebook.com slash WDW Radio. Comment there. That's where you're more comfortable. Tweet me. I'm at Lou Mangiello on Twitter. Call the voicemail, 407-900-931. Yell and scream at me if that's what you'd like to do. Make your case. Make your argument. Open my eyes to maybe something that I never thought about before in terms of great attraction backstories. Daniel Roberts, I sincerely thank you, my friend. And you are my friend, even though we've not met yet. We are, You are my friend, not just because of your incredible generosity in terms of supporting the Make-A-Wish Foundation, but I love the fact when you come on and, and, and uh, help out with these top tens, we always have a great time. Tim Foster, you may still be uh, yeah. living in the 90s, my brother. But, oh, yeah. But I love what you have done recently, by the way, updating celebrationspress.com slash magic.com. it's just a whole kumbaya around the fire of Disney love and goodness and that's where people can find and subscribe and get back issues to Celebrations magazine still, and I say this because I love, still the most beautiful, well written and laid out magazine about our favorite place on the planet love what you're doing again over at celebrationspress.com
2: I love you guys both and thank you for including me. It's an honor.
1: And thank you both for not doing any more accents.
3: My thoughts came clear off when you told that last story. Good night, Lou.
1: Are you flow from Alice? What was that? Who who are you supposed to be? Which flow are you talking about? I don't mean the progressive flow. Flow from Alice. Alice to, never mind.
3: Oh, gr- Grit.
1: Yes, Kiss my grit. That's flow. <laughs> this
3: is one of those times when you should have shut the show down five minutes ago. <laughs>
1: oh, man. No. Five minutes ago. I should have shut it down five minutes in. What are you kidding
3: me? <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. You know, it's always fun. <laughs> well, except for tonight. When the crystals creak and the twigs unscrew, roots come up for a swing and Happy hearts materialize and begin to vocalize. Bring those out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide for a silly swoop. Place it by your side.
1: It's time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week. I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details and like we're talking about this week, maybe even the stories of some of your favorite attractions and then you can enter to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's and select our winner. So last week we were talking about who wants to be a millionaire, play it and how close it was to the original TV version. If you remember the original show, it had three lifelines. 50-50, The 50-50, ask the audience, and phone a friend. Now, the Disney MGM Studio version also had the 50-50 and ask the audience, but instead of phone a friend, I asked you, what other option did the show offer? Again, hundreds of you entered this one, you obviously remember, hopefully got into the hot seat, and remember that the other choice you had was to phone a complete stranger. If you selected that option, a small phone would ring right outside the attraction on Mickey Avenue near the Millionaire Soundstage, and a cast member there would invite a random guest to answer the phone and hopefully help you with your question. Again, thanks to all of you who entered and got this one correct, I randomly selected one winner from all the correct entries who's going to win all six of my audio tours to the Magic Kingdom and a copy of my new book, 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World. And last week's winner is lauren michelle so lauren congratulations i'll get your prize package out to you right away if you played last week and didn't win that's okay because here's your next chance to enter in this week's walt disney world trivia challenge so we we're talking about some of our favorite attractions and backstories this week and speaking of stories one of my favorites as i mentioned is over at expedition Everest. So next time you're over at disney's animal kingdom i want you to walk around and look and see if you can find the tea that's growing on the slopes of the mountain and around the village of Surkazong, because according to story, this area was once a big tea plantation, and the steam trains that are now part of the attraction were used to transport the crops to nearby Anandapur Village, like I said, tying in not just the attraction, but the surrounding area as well. Several of the buildings there were once used for the processing of tea, and you can see signs on the Yeti Museum and some other locations as well. Now at some point the plantation was mysteriously shut down, but years later two people named Norbu and Bob came along and opened up a tour company and used the trains called Steam Donkeys to take us, the guests, through the mountain and the the Himalayas. So your question for this week is this. What's the name of Norbu and Bob's tour company? You have until Sunday, April 6th to email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. Again, it's contest at wdwradio.com. Tell me the name of the fictional tour company that runs over at Expedition Everest. Again, you're playing for all six of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom and a copy of my new book, 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. In addition to the podcast, which you can subscribe to over on iTunes, please visit WDWRadio.com. Check out our multiple daily blog posts, new videos, sign up for our free email newsletter and download the free WDW Radio app. Also, join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live. It's a live video broadcast and interactive chat where you can type questions in the chat box as I discuss this week's Walt Disney World news and then stay on to chat about just about anything at all. You can also email me if you have a question you want answered on the show at lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail. Be heard on the air by calling 407-900-9391. Keep in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello or come like our Facebook page at facebook.com wdwradio. Facebook.com slash Lou is my personal profile. You can follow me there as well. Lots of events coming up because, like I said, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. And our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World is going to be something a little bit different. We're going to spend an evening with Yeehaw Bob over at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort on Saturday, April 12th. Come early, have dinner, bring the family. There's no tickets or admission required. You can get more information and RSVP by visiting the events page over at www.radio.com. You'll also find out more about upcoming meets of the Month in Walt Disney World, our cruise on the Disney Dream this summer, and lots more planned throughout the year. To find out where I'll be speaking and presenting, you could also visit loumangelo.com and find out how you can book me for your corporate event, school, or conference thanks as always to my partners and sponsors including MouseFan Travel they are my official and recommended travel provider because the two I use so if you're coming out to Disney World Land, Disney Cruise Line or Adventures by Disney Becky and her team of agents give you the best possible prices all available discounts an incredible level of personal service that's what that's the key right there all at no additional cost to you you can find them over at mousefantravel.com and as always my friends and you are my friends whether we have met yet or not All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links and come by and comment over on Facebook. And please come by, rate and review the show over on iTunes. I want to say big thanks to so many of you who have been rating and reviewing the show recently on iTunes, including Mr. JGG, Jess Chambers, M. Jacqueline, Disney Anna... Chester12, Ryan714 and so many more, thank you very very much, it means a great deal it's very very helpful and very much appreciated and finally and most importantly I want to say thank you again for not just taking the time to listen each and every week but for allowing me to share my passion for all things Disney with you in so many different ways, it means the world to me and I am the happiest most blessed man alive to do what i do and share it with you each and every day and i want you to feel the exact same way so i i I challenge you to do the things that others say can't be done to follow your passion and go do it and always have faith and always keep moving forward i hope you have a great great week everybody thanks so much again see ya
0: Hey, Lou, this is Ryan up in Michigan, and I just got done listening to your Way Back episode of 2001, and it uh, might have brought a tier two or three to my eye, and I was a uh, college program uh, student, whatever you want to call it, back in 2001, I was there from June through December, and uh, I had just had the time of my life, and I've been an even bigger Disney fan ever since, so for you to spotlight that year and everything that came and went, uh, the good and the bad, and all that I experienced, it brought back a lot of awesome, awesome memories, uh everything you talked about right down to the trivia question. And I I was working FastPass down there when uh, FastPass was its own thing before they wised up and gave it back to the individual attractions. And uh, I uh, got to answer the Mickey Avenue phone and find a complete stranger. And sometimes at the end of the day when Mickey Avenue was a little bit deserted, I got to be the complete stranger because there was (laughs) no one else around. So uh, thanks for the show, Lou. I really appreciated the uh, nostalgic flashback, and I can't wait to hear uh, what you got coming down the pike.
2: Hi, Lou. This is Dave calling from the great white north of Pulver, Wisconsin. Just wanted to let you know I just got done listening to uh, episode 352 for the second time. And I wanted to correct you on one of your myths that you got wrong when you were talking to uh, uh, Top 10 Tim Bananas Foster. Uh, In the point of people not watching hockey, you would, in fact, be incorrect. People do watch hockey. Now, being that you're from New Jersey and the only team that you had to root for was the Devils, I could see the confusion there. But just to let you know, hockey is a fantastic sport, and Tim is absolutely right on that one. Keep up the great work, you guys. Love everything you do. Have a great day. See ya. You've got a friend in me. Yeah! Yeah!